This is Monica. And this is Sam. Welcoming you to episode one of the In the Classroom podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about how dual language programs work. So we will be diving into some of the specifics of the dual language program. When I first started in the dual language program, um, I was kind of lost. So I was um, doing the Spanish portion of a partnership in the DL program in an elementary school, but I didn't know how the program worked and I didn't want to appear as if I was, you know, uneducated on the program. So that's why I had to do a lot of, you know, self research and mm -hmm. I study on my own so that's why we're doing this podcast right yeah definitely I would definitely agree with that I had the same experience except for of course I was on the English side um, and it was very it was a new concept for me coming into being brand new to education in general and then as well being introduced to this new program that um, when I went to school wasn't really around so it was very new for me as well Sure. And, you know, as teachers, we don't want to kind of have the philosophy of closing the door and just worrying about Definitely. our just, you know, our 20 students. But we want to really matter for the school. We want to be an important piece of the puzzle. We want to school have good grades as for well. Sure. And if we want to do that, we can help teachers who are new into the program um, have these basic questions answered. Yes, definitely. So we are going to start talking today about the structure of the dual language program, um, which is sometimes not really, you know, the teacher's call, but it's something decided by administration. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a couple different structures that we see in today's classrooms. Um, the most common ones would be the 50-50 structure in which One, one side would be taught in English and then the other 50% would be in the, the native language depending on where you are located in the United States. And then there's the 90-10. Mm -hmm. uh, do you want to talk about what the 90-10 would look like? Yes, and also the 50-50 a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, you mentioned also about what part of the United States. That's so true because I've seen like in parts of California where is there, there is more a Asian people, um, the, the partnership is between uh, English and Vietnamese oh, cool. uh, teachers or that's Japanese or Chinese. Uh, in Florida or, I don't know, maybe Texas or New Mexico, you would see more dual language programs focused on Spanish. And the good thing about these programs is that they promote uh, biliteracy, bilingualism, and biculturism, which is fantastic. You're basically immersed in the two languages um, every day, or maybe it's split among, week, among weeks or something. So... Yeah, that's that's one of the advantages of this structure. Um, along with the 50-50 and the 90-10 is um, a secluded teacher who it teaches both Spanish or English or whatever language it is that they're teaching. And they basically have um, free range of how to um, structure their class. 
and they have when, when they're self-contained yes yeah. definitely yeah self-contained would give you more freedom although um we cannot forget us as teachers you know that we are here to collaborate and learn from each other oh definitely definitely you yeah. need to collaborate um it just to be honest it makes more sense because you have especially as dual ta- dual language teachers i know i have about 40 students and that can be a lot for one person. So when you're collaborating and you're sharing ideas, it's it makes it a lot easier on you as a teacher as well. And it's a fact that you never stop learning this yes, profession. Definitely. You have to keep updating yourself. And one of the best ways is to learn from your peers. For sure. Definitely. So the other structure, as you said, is the 90-10. And this structure would focus more on kind of having the the child immerse 90% in their native language while gradually decreasing that amount so they can function properly in a regular English classroom. Um, one of the disadvantages of this approach or is this structure is that it will um, kind of make the child lose their native language over time. Mm-hmm. And we don't want that. Uh, we want, on the contrary, to reinforce those those ties they have with their with their origin, right? Yeah, definitely with their family, with yeah. their culture. Um, it's a part totally. of who they are. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that we really want to take away from them. We want to use it in order to help them learn this new language or new to them, which would be English. Exactly. Now, um, as you were saying, you touched a very important point, which is the self-contained partnership yes, yes. type of thing that can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, again, uh, it's not very often that you can choose your partners. No. You have to kind of, you know, um, work or be able to work with everybody yes. at school. Um, and the other option is when you are self-contained. Regardless, um, you have to collaborate, don't you? Yes. Um, self-contained, there's many advantages. Um, aside from being able to uh, pick the schedule of your class once again that might be an admin thing as well Um, but you do have that freedom to go ahead and move around your blocks Um, you have the freedom to you know maybe go over time in in one area you have that opportunity to really um, use your creative freedom more often because a lot of times when you have a partner you must um, you must you must be collaborating with your partner and you guys might have to be on the same page. So for example, if say you're online, you're on Pinterest, you find a great idea to do with your class, you're gonna have to put that on hold until you have discussed this with your partner and figure out how they can use it in their class on the other side so that you guys are mirroring each other. Never to forget that even as um, you know, a self-contained teacher, you still have to co- collaborate in your PLCs, or with your team in the grade. Um, Collaboration is an important part. We'll talk more about that. Um, Now, code switching, I I think it's something we need to to discuss because sometimes as teachers, especially for Spanish teachers, I know we are oftentimes bilingual, which means we feel um, comfortable we're talking the two languages and that means we may speak a little bit of spanglish at, at the in the classroom yes. which <laughs> which is not okay um one of the things or the guidelines for dual language classrooms is that you have to not code switch you have to speak 
or provide the student with the appropriate model for how the language is spoken so they can copy it and, and, and do it on their own. If they see this example from you, then they are not going to see any any role model from what they got, they can be um, yes. based on, no? Yes, definitely. Um, being on the English side, that's um, sometimes it's also hard for us as English teachers. I'm not fluent in Spanish, but I do know I grew I I grew up where there's a lot of Spanish speaking, so I am fluent enough to where I can communicate. Now, um, there's a fine line because in my dual language class, I also have ESOL students in which, depending on what umbrella they fall under, I can provide them the information in their native language and scaffold to English. Um, but that is something that you want to do your research on the student and find out if that is something mm -hmm. within their plan. Um, and once again, that's only for those students. The rest of my students, while they're in my class, they get English the entire day. And that's very important because they do get that other language in the other class. So you want them to be be fluent in both languages so they should be getting their instruction in those languages yeah for sure yeah. when you are saying like english instruction the entire day it means in your classroom because you are the english teacher yes. they are also receiving half of the day uh instruction in spanish right uh-huh yes so code switching yes should be avoided now let's talk a little bit about the transition on how the groups are switched from one teacher to the other it depends also on the school on how that's organized uh, but transitions should be as smooth as possible yes um as teachers we have a lot of trouble finding time and I think that if we can get better at transitioning um, that could be a big time saver for us and the way you're going to do that is by being very um, basically organized yourself uh, kids look at us as role models for everything so if we don't understand um, how they're supposed to be switching or we don't set expectations for them um, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of chaos for sure you have to I think, again, keyword collaboration. You have to talk to your partners about how you want to have it, you know, done. Um, maybe yeah. model it for the students at the beginning of the year so they know what is expected from them. For sure. And just uh, carry it out. Um, be consistent. So that's also going to provide students with a sense of, of, you know, consistency, permanency, security, which is very important, especially Definitely. for elementary I know students. For, I know for me, at least, for um, the switching time, um, my admin has made it great for us. Our switching time is right in the middle of the day because they have lunch, so it's very easy that as they're going to lunch, they leave their book bags by the other classroom. So that way when we pick them up, it's a very smooth transition um, into the next uh, class period. So convenient. Yes, it so that might be something convenient. that you might want to talk to your admin about. It could be a suggestion. It works really well for us. Mm -hmm. Like leaving their backpacks um, outside of the other yeah. classroom. And yes, very nice. Now, um, another important topic we want to touch today is collaboration. And what does it look like in the dual language program? Because um, I'm sure all teachers have heard, you know, you have to collaborate. PLCs. I, yeah, it's yeah. kind of mandatory. It's kind of assumed. Yeah. It's, you know, they take it for granted. The teacher can collaborate. Yes. But uh, for dual language, I think it's taken to 
to the next level. The it level really of is. collaboration, it's <laughs> it's insane that you have to have in dual language. It's really two teachers that must work as one. Yeah. At the end of the yes, day. It's I mean, a unity. there's some, for example, I teach, only, I'm the only one that teaches math. So with that, I have my own um, creativity level that I can get to with there. However, with the other subjects, reading and writing and social studies, I need to be mirroring my partner because if not, then I'm going to end up teaching the same thing over again to the same to each classes. And that's not how it's supposed to go. It's supposed to flow. So I'm supposed to teach something in one class in English. Then the other teacher will teach in the other um, language. For me, it's Spanish. But we should be sp teaching the same thing to the students. So that way, when her group comes to me and my group goes to her the next day for these um, subjects, we are able to pick right back up from where we left off. It really should be a steady flow. I like, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Mm -hmm. um, one of the misconceptions when you first start is like, oh, okay, so I have to teach two groups and it's the same subject so can I repeat the lesson um yeah and that's a, a huge no you can <laughs> you should you shouldn't you really shouldn't you're not doing anything no. good for the students yeah um, they're in fact they're actually missing instruction yeah that's giving them half of the instruction and just calculate that for the whole year it's like they just went to school for five months right. and that's not that's just not fair with them it's not you're not doing anything for them so that's why it's important to have that collaboration going so you guys can be on that same point totally okay so um collaboration for whole group as you mentioned yes it has to be a mirror um a, a common planning yes. um maybe common anchor charts right definitely definitely um if a student sees an anchor chart in english and sees the exact same anchor chart in, in spanish they'll be able to make those connections in their head just by maybe even simply having the same colors or having the words in the same place on the anchor chart i or love it or graphics. even or Placing the anchor chart in the same, same spot, places. Yeah, for sure. Yes, I like that idea. Mm -hmm. um, so that goes for collaboration. For a whole group. But then we also have small groups. Yeah. And um, just a little history. Me and Monica were uh, dual language teachers. We were partners. Um, it was a great year. And one of the things that we realized that really worked for us was actually planning our small groups together as well. We realized that small groups is meant for a student to master a certain strategy or a skill and we realized because they were seeing us every other day if they were working on two different strategies they're not really mastering it they may be touching the surface but we found so such great results from yes, working together that, in our small groups as well uh -huh, yeah. that was fantastic yeah. i i i think what one of the best things we could have ever done for our <laughs> yeah, students for sure. was to plan that um small group time yeah. as you know it's um it's even more it's even more crucial yeah. than the whole group time is is oh, when you sure. actually differentiate um the the lesson that you are providing your students so yeah what we did based on data whatever it was at that time or maybe on a more holistic set of data not just basing our our decisions on just one test or something but kind of have having a a more holistic of, yeah, yeah. yeah we decided what strategies were needed and and went from there so students were yeah 
yeah, uh, practicing was... the regardless of the resources, right, exactly. regardless of the of the because I liked also that how you taught the standard was kind of different how I taught it, even if we kind of have had the same anchor chart, yeah. um tabletop anchor chart, your teacher talk was different from mine. Yeah. And that provided students just with another opportunity right. every week to reinforce that it's standard. Yeah, of course. And it, and showing them different ways to look at the standard definitely helped them as well. Oh, yes, so, definitely. Was that was amazing. Yeah. Um, now, the the collaboration as we mentioned that happens in a dual language program um it's evident not not only if you are like in a partnership mm -hmm. but also if you are self-contained yes you have to talk to other teachers who are maybe in the same position of being self-contained in dual language with your um or coaches if, yeah, or uh, even another dual language team that might be on the yeah. same grade, grade level as you too because even though it's two teachers you're still really, well, you're supposed to be at least teaching the same thing. Um, That's so true, yes. So those are some great people to look for in your school when yes. thinking about um, planning and collaborating. And sure. not being afraid of asking questions if you are a new teacher. That's that's how we all learn. Yeah, definitely. I know a lot of the times, especially in our career, because we're supposed to be the all-knowing teachers, we um, maybe get embarrassed or feel that we're doing our job wrong um, if we do go out and ask questions, and that's just not the case. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's no. really not. And no, and everybody's learning. Yeah. Like you shouldn't be ashamed of yourself. Everybody, even coaches, even yes. like everybody, yes. are, constantly, are constantly. Uh, now I wanna talk about something really important for dual language. Not so many people know about it yet, or at least it's not being implemented as much as. It should be maybe. <laughs> uh, it's the bridge that it was, you know. This it's a a theory, an educational evidence tool um, that was developed by the Teaching for Biliteracy Center, and um, they just develop a framework on how to make a connection between the English content and the Spanish content that students were receiving into separate classrooms right it's where the transfer happens exactly and if that doesn't happen then what you are having is just two isolated teachers teaching different things and just not making a connection in the students brains mm -hmm. um so yeah the, the bridge is totally necessary so, so, so some subjects that we use the bridge in um, that is was very crucial for us because, of course, everybody's classroom is going to be different and it's going to look different. Well, some of the things will be looking looking different because obviously it's structured the way it's supposed to be for a reason. But for one of the main things we used it for in our school was science because in our school, science was taught in Spanish and the state test was in English. So it's really important, especially in science, since there's so many scientific terms that even people in English don't really understand. So it's really crucial for um, that transfer to be happening from English to Spanish so that when they do get to that test that they will be so successful as well as for writing and reading, um, making those making those distinctions between the different words and making the distinctions between cognates. 
Um, mm, especially yeah. in writing, because as they're writing, they're supposed to be writing in English. So when they take that state test, I want to make sure they're as successful as possible and that the pe- person grading their test doesn't think that they are writing in Spanish. Um, common misconceptions between ki- um, within our kids, and it's something that really clears it up for them. And uh, let's not forget it's it's done with all subjects. Yes, no? yes It's yes. done with all subjects, all regardless, subjects. like in our school, in certain grade levels, science is taught in um, the native language, and then um, the tests are, of course, taken in English. But it depends on the school and the grade level. Like in in second grade, I believe it's, or I mean, some schools, maybe um, math, the one that is providing the instruction in the native language, and then you need to make a priority to do the bridge uh, for math. But also, let's not forget about academic vocabulary that oh, we learn sure. in, in reading and writing. For yeah. writing essays, for example, for our fifth graders, fourth graders, they need to have a lot of academic vocabulary. Um, let's think of some like planning, opinion, fact. Matter. Yeah. Because those things they can write, they're going to be writing in their writing too. And even sentence structures. So sometimes students may be fluent in um, socially, you know, how to speak English, but uh, they might not be proficient in in their academic language. So the bridge is the peer that can save your day. The misconception, Sam, that I have heard from parents, they being afraid, hey, what do you mean my child is receiving instruction in Spanish when the test is happening in English? They are going to fail. I cannot tell you how many times I have had to call parents and tell them, relax, it's okay. Acquiring a language, it's something that's not done in a year. It actually takes about seven years. And we have the tools to make them, to help them be successful. Uh, One of the tools is the bridge. Um, It definitely is. I get get those from parents all the time or from my administration telling me, hey, so-and-so wants to leave your class because the parent is worried. Um, And then, obviously, we need to inform them on that Um, Before we get more into um, the misconception of dual language, um, let's talk about when they should be using the bridge. The bridge should be used um, ideally at the end of the unit or in the middle of the unit. This is, you know, some teachers can be... My God, so worried about having having to have it done yeah, yeah, every yeah. day or something. This will take you actually like 15 minutes. But it doesn't have to happen daily. On the contrary, it's not, it it's could, n- it's not efficient. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not efficient. You want students to understand a concept. So let's take the example of the cycle of water. The Spanish teacher is doing all these experiments. Um He's bringing all this realia to, to school and having students play with it. Uh, lots of visuals, videos, um, charts. charts, vocabulary, uh, a rich environment with academic vocabulary for that content. At the end of two weeks, the students have actually understood 
um, what it is the cycle of water, what the stages are, the academic vocabulary in their native language. Now it is time to make the transfer to, to English. If they understand the concept, they can understand it in Chinese, in Russian, Mm-hmm. Or in English. Yeah. They just need the labels. The the, yes, the vocabulary. Yeah. And that's what the bridge is for. Of course, we probably probably need to make um, a podcast. Definitely. Uh, focusing on how it is done, yeah. uh, which was done by the Teaching for Biliteracy Center. There right. is a book about it. It's so interesting. And another important thing about the bridge is that it must be student-centered. So the students oh, yes. must be as a, as a part as of it as possible thank you Um, for that yes yes because if you're sitting there feeding it to them they're not just like anything yes it's not being it's not being absorbed i so agree with you and that that had to be made clear yes so the next topic uh we want to touch is the resources and the planning stuff so how do you feel about resources for dual language Okay, so being a dual language teacher for four years now, um, I can say I'm very thankful to be on the English side because I have realized that um, there's literally a plethora of resources for English teachers. All the planning you're going to be doing with your team is most likely going to be in English. Um, all the resources that you can get from online, from Instagram, whatever ideas, it's probably in English. Um, and my, when I was working with you, when you're the Spanish uh, partner, I didn't really see it because you were so good about having your stuff together. You found your resources on your own. You know, you were pretty good. You were self-sufficient. Um, the two years after when you became a dual coach, I had both years were brand new teachers for the most part. And um, I had to help them as the good partner that I'm trying to be, help them find resources. And I could not believe how oh. scarce, <laughs> how scarce the resources were. I was just, I, I couldn't say anything, but I'm sorry. And I'll, I'm going to try and help you get through this. <laughs> so yeah. what, what can you say about it's, your experience it's, with it's the Spanish crazy. Resources? And I agree with you. Of course, there is more... Uh, abundance yeah. of everything in English. After all, you know that's the official language yes. of of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I think that now um, I'm. I don't know. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I'm feeling like this multicultural force is is getting stronger and mm-hmm. stronger. And the good thing is, well, it depends on also on the on the district, yeah. um, on the school administration. Sure, but um, I don't know. I don't know if maybe we are just lucky with <laughs> the district we are at and our administration. But um, I feel it's, it's just getting stronger and more importance is being given now to the resources for the Spanish teachers. Yes. Of course, before, what I had to do, and several other teachers I know, we had to translate, and that's mm-hmm. just a waste of our time. We can spend our time more wisely, planning, yeah. analyzing data, helping our students for sure. really become, um, you know, effective. Uh, effective. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the resources, I think it's still an issue. It needs to be addressed. And if we don't have a common curriculum, 
um, adopted by the school, um, yeah, teachers need to find their ways. They need to research. They need to go to uh, websites. Some that we use a lot. It's uh, commonly read yes. works. Yeah. Um, New Zealand, it's also a good one. Yeah, those, and those they are, have in both languages. About, yeah, giving Spanish. Um, I think it's also because they are understanding yeah. that they cannot just do English if, I, if they want to be successful yeah, sure. educational pages. Definitely. Um, I think another good idea is if you don't have a supportive administration or district is... That's just another good reason to collaborate. I mean, if all the Spanish, you know what I'm saying? If you have to teach the same things, you know, collaborating with other Spanish teachers can make the workload less, you know? Mm-hmm. If they've already done it, oh, yes. you can definitely share files and share oh, resources. Yeah. Common drives. Um, and yes, do one unit, I'll do the next one. That, that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, I want to touch something that is kind of, you know, relegated a little bit. So teachers um, in dual language sometimes are not educated about the program. Mm-hmm. I told you I hear this complaint from parents, you know, why is my child taking this test in, in another language, of in, the, in an opposite language of instruction? But, you know, that's okay. Parents are not educators. They are, this is not their profession. Mm-hmm. However, when I see that same complaint from teachers, mm-hmm. like they not understanding why they are teaching a, a subject in, in Spanish and then having their, their kids test in English, that's when we have a problem. Yeah, and I, to be honest, I'm guilty of it for the first year. I, I was not educated on it. I was learning about education in general. And to me, I was like, this is kind of hard. Um, mm-hmm. Until it was, until I really started getting into it and teaching it more and having conversations with other dual language teachers, having conversations with Monica and just realizing um, that it really is an, imp- it's it's an important, it's, a, it's an important step to a, for a process for students learning languages. I mean, you have to understand what your job is. Yeah. You have to understand the benefits of being in the dual language oh, program. Sure. You have to understand the benefits of being bilingual, especially in the world that we live in today. Oh, oh, yes. um, so not understanding it. I mean, of course, the first years you have to settle down, get kind of emergency mode yes but if you if your goal is to stay in the program if your goal is to really help children you have to educate yourself and advocate for the program um it's very important and i think dual language regardless if it's uh with spanish or with chinese or russian whatever it is i think that's the future of education Mm -hmm. um you mentioned that most kids in the world speak more than one language oh, look at yes. europe oh, yes all almost all the other countries it's like a requirement and they learn it from their youth yes um totally. it's no surprise why we get students from other countries and they're able to speak to us in english however if one of our students were to go to their countries they would be pretty confused unless they are in a dual language program yes. and that's sad yeah so um i believe Dual language has a, a bright future ahead. Definitely. Um, if you are interested in getting into the program, I would say, I don't know, if you were asking for my advice, I would say go for it. It's, I, I, it's yeah. great. It's, yeah. it's, as, it's as, just nice. As, mm-hmm. um, 
as much as you do have to collaborate with somebody, it's actually kind of really nice because it's if if you collaborate nicely and you create that relationship, it's like you have a team member. It's mm-hmm. somebody that's on your side that's yes. you're in it with together. And sometimes um, that's what you need. No? Yeah, that's, yeah. With all the stress at school, yeah. yes, definitely, that's what you need for sure. Okay. You can find more teaching inspiration, mental health, and self-care tips in our website, www.intheclassroom.us. Also, we are very active in Instagram at in underscore the underscore classroom underscore. For links to all the resources we mentioned in this episode, visit www.intheclassroom.us. Click podcast and choose episode one. Don't forget to read our first um, blog that we published in our website. Um, It's about dealing with stress as a teacher. And then we have another one, and it's ways to prevent sugar cravings, which is extremely helpful for all those yummy goodies your students are going to be bringing in for (laughs) Christmas or for the holidays. Um, uh, Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. Bye. Bye.